Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Identical twins, Daniel and David DeWild, were inseparable as children. They got so close, and they mirrored each other in a sense that was a little uncanny. They got along really well and took care of each other. But as adults, they find themselves connected by something sinister. There was duct tape over her face. Her hands and feet had been tied with rope. The bindings suggest a ritual of some kind. The twins vowed to take a dark secret to their graves. Until a shocking betrayal turns one twin against the other. She's trying to get back up. (laughs) This was right out of a Hollywood movie. It had everything. Sex, lies, and murder. These twins were just pure evil. A piece of shit. Fucking piece of shit. Edgewater, Colorado, is a tiny suburb on the western outskirts of Denver. It's on the shores of Sloan's Lake, and it's pretty setting. It's a mile square. People know their neighbors there. Edgewater is the kind of place where you can leave your doors unlocked at night. It's a very safe place, and it has a very small police department because they don't need a big police department. But a gruesome discovery is about to unsettle this quiet little town. Not far away, in Clear Creek Canyon, a highway road worker plugs away at his job. 
these guys are used to picking up dirt and they're used to picking up debris, but this was a little strange. Something caught his eye. He had this big trash bag that did not look normal. When he hops down for a better look, his heart stops dead. And sees a, a leg, piece of a leg sticking out of the garbage bag. He's pretty sure that there's a human body in the bag. The guy freaks out. He does what anyone would do under that, those circumstances. He runs, he calls 911. Officers quickly arrive on the scene. When the police come out, now it's like an archaeological dig. Upon closer examination, the police are able to determine that this is a woman. And it appears she met her demise in a mysterious and sadistic way. There was a, a mask of duct tape strips over her face. Her hands and feet have been tied with rope. It's not the typical just bind someone's hands and gag their mouth. The bindings suggest a potential ritual of some kind. Investigators quickly learn that the victim is Edgewater resident Heather DeWilde, a 30-year-old mother who'd gone missing six weeks earlier. And now the police have to say to themselves, who done it? Who would want her dead? And perhaps even more importantly, why this way? Why the bindings? The answer to these questions will be found in the strange relationship between a pair of identical twins and a pact bound by blood. Identical twins Daniel and David DeWilde grew up in nearby Arvada, Colorado. Their father was a mechanic. Mom and dad loved their twins. They were a perfect little blue-collar family. From the start, the brothers were inseparable. They got along really well and, and um, took care of each other. They got so close, and they mirrored each other in a sense that was a little uncanny. They were able to almost think like each other. They can almost read each other's thoughts. And so one reinforces the other. While they appeared identical in every way, there were some differences. Daniel was the stronger of the two. He was a little bit taller, he was the firstborn, and he had a dominating personality. Daniel is the older one by a couple of minutes. He is the general, while his brother David is the private and follows along with whatever he says. In some cases, we do have a twin who has a dominant personality, and that person will be that way with everybody in his or her life. So they'll gravitate toward people who are submissive because they want to keep control, they want to stay in charge. David was a happy submissive. He tended to be absorbed into Daniel's personality, so it feels to, to him as if they are really a united ego in a way. Their childhood may have looked idyllic, but there's trouble looming on the horizon. It was an unusual situation because the parents divorced and the boys went to live with their father. The mom gave up both twins, both. It's like unheard of. So they live with dad. It causes turmoil. He may be a good dad and all, but he's working. He has to make a living. 
Daniel and David were left alone to raise themselves. Without the father in the home, they would have to grow up fairly quickly. I had the impression they kind of set their own rules, and as a result, they probably had this idea that their world was under their control and that no one else's rules counted but theirs. That just accelerates and accentuates their twinness and their closeness. The twins graduated high school close as ever and found work as mechanics. It wasn't a situation where one would have a job over here and one over there. They always worked together. Off the clock, the twins turned to another shared interest. The boys have a fascination with pornography. And by all accounts, these guys were really into it. And they had pretty much what you would call an addiction. There was a lot of pornographic material. David, a lot of magazines and movies, mostly what you would call normal porn. But twin brother Daniel had edgier tastes. Daniel had more of a dark interest. S&M, bondage, um, subservient women. He definitely likes the ropes, the bindings, gagging, making women helpless, um, humiliated. Many fetishes for men are a symptom of cowardice. Men who want to tie up women before they have sex with them. I think the power they feel may be a perk, but the bottom line is these are things that make them feel unafraid. Daniel's controlling nature is part of his personality, and his interest and love of bondage scenarios is indicative of that. Someplace inside him, there's something about wanting to control another person, in particular a woman. And the real question becomes, what happens when he gets involved with somebody? Daniel may be the older DeWild twin, but when it comes to settling down, David is the first to tie the knot. He marries his high school sweetheart, Vicki Wiz. They had a, a boy and a girl and seemed to be living the dream with their family. But beneath the surface, David struggles with married life. He was young, had two kids, a lot of responsibility, and he still wanted to have fun with his brother. So you had this pressure because he was being torn in two places. So they started having trouble. Further, his immersive porn habit doesn't go down well with Vicky. A phone sex bill for $200? And one night, things turn especially ugly. I'm so sick of your fetish. She discovers this phone bill for phone sex and goes crazy. And she gets in his face. Suddenly, David snaps. He just flipped out and choked her. And it was to the point of she almost blacked out. When David's pushed up against the wall by a different dominant person than his brother, the resentment that has been building flares out. And he is now going to reverse roles He'll take on Daniel's personality to become the dominant person. He's standing over her. He says, next time, 
Imagine that terror. That was it for their four-year marriage. Wife took the kids and split for South Dakota. David's love life has fallen apart. But Daniel's is picking up steam. He's just fallen head over heels for a girl named Heather Springer. Heather comes from a very good Catholic family. Her dad is a respected Denver police officer. She was small, really tiny. She was like four foot ten, real cute, outgoing, friendly. That would have been really attractive to a guy who wants to dominate others because regardless of her personality, just her appearance alone would say she's easy to control. As David finalizes his divorce, Daniel and Heather get married. Before long, the newlyweds have two children, a boy and a girl. Daniel moves to Edgewater, and it seems like everything is falling into place. And he gets to see his brother because now they're working at RTD, which is the transportation district, working on buses. So they could not have been happier. Daniel DeWild's life is following the same path as his twin, a beautiful wife, two kids, and a home in the suburbs. And just like his brother, he'll destroy everything. She's emasculated him. She's humiliated him. Anger and jealousy will spiral out of control. He was about to descend into hell even further, and his brother was about to come along for the ride. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Identical twin brothers Daniel and David DeWilde followed identical paths as children. But now, their lives have gone in different directions. David gets his divorce. He's sort of going downhill. While his brother, Daniel, is going uphill with his wife, Heather. And things couldn't get any better for Daniel. But it's only a matter of time before Daniel's life crumbles, just like his twin brother's. One difference between Daniel and David is that Daniel had ambition. He saw himself as being rich someday. He was going to sell radio control scale models of cars. It was going to be his dream job because he loved them. He figured everybody loved them. But it turned out nobody wanted to buy his cars. Daniel's business goes under. Financially, things were tough for them, and that put a lot of stress on the marriage. What are we going to do about all these bills? Well, Daniel wants to make deep we're cuts, gonna make cuts in their right. family budget. Well, let's take the kids out of private school. You said we could keep them in there. You promised. The uh, kids were in a parochial school with the money problems. Uh, Danny didn't think they should go there anymore. Heather was hell-bent on them staying in that school because that was what she wanted for them. That's what's going to happen. Daniel suddenly has this Jekyll and Hyde personality. Sometimes he could be the nicest guy in the world. Go! And sometimes he could be the biggest SOB. And there are other, more intimate challenges for Heather. He would ask Heather to take part in his fantasies. Danny made a sex video with, with him and Heather. It was a bondage video. Not only is he degrading and debasing his wife, he's memorializing the moment for his future entertainment. She'll do it because it's what he wants. These are all things that are going to begin to grate on her and make her wonder, what did I do? What am I in? And do I want to stay with this? Heather's not sure how much longer she can put up with Daniel DeWild. I believe the marriage actually lasted longer than it might have because she was Catholic and she was against divorce. She didn't believe that she, she should get a divorce. Also, she had two young children, but her father and mother were really adamant that, that Daniel was not a good person for her. And finally, she realizes that. Heather reaches her breaking point. Daniel took the kids off his insurance policy at work to save money. And that seemed to be pretty much the last straw because, again, that was affecting her kids. After six years of marriage... Heather files for divorce. She takes the kids and moves in with her parents. Daniel's state of mind at this point is anger, aggression. He's a controlling guy. He's not used to somebody else setting the agenda. Heather is threatening Daniel with alimony and child support. And this is just freaking him out. How much was it paid for this? Danny was feeling like Everything was going to be gone, his house, everything else, because of having to pay child support. He's going to have nothing and have nothing to control. Lucky for Daniel, he was born with backup. This twin brother, David, has a solution. He has a girlfriend, and they'll just move in and help with the house payments. 
and it seemed like a match made in heaven. The brother moves in with his new girlfriend, Roseanne, and this should have solved all of his problems. But on the inside, Daniel continues to simmer with rage. Daniel is like a volcano. He is angry at his wife for putting him through this. And despite the fact that his brother's trying to bail him out, he really doesn't care. He wants to keep his money, and he'll do anything to keep his money. After racking his brain for months, Daniel thinks he's figured out a way to fix all his problems. All he needs is a little help from his twin brother. Hey, man, I want to talk to you about Heather. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> kill your wife? Daniel approaches his brother and says, I want Heather dead. I want to kill her. I'm serious. You're going to help me with it? <laughs> yeah. You're going to kill her. I'm going to help you. David doesn't really take it seriously. He sees that his brother's angry, but David does not think anything is actually going to happen. But day after day, Daniel continues to pester his brother about his plan to prevent Heather from divorcing him. Daniel finally says, look, I am going to do this. With or without you? I've always been there for you. It's time for you to be there for me. He was about to descend into hell even further, and his brother was about to come along for the ride. Better yet? Ah, I knew I could get on you, brother. <laughs> Over the coming weeks, the twins do everything they can to prepare for the murder of Heather DeWilde. They spent a lot of time watching the CSI and forensic TV shows trying to plan the perfect crime. They learned that they have to double the plastic gloves because a single glove can still leave a print. They learned that it should be the least amount of blood. They know from the crime shows that they have to dispose of the body. And the longer a body can be hidden, the better off they're going to be. The twins drive to a remote mountainous area and begin digging a grave. It's really Daniel's way of establishing that commitment from David. We're doing this. We are digging this together. Once it's deep enough, they drop a pillow into the hole. This pillow is a stand-in for an actual body. It's almost as if they dug Heather's grave and put her in. It's become real. And so now, the murder can occur at any point. As the days pass, David hopes his brother will change his mind. And one day, it seems his prayers are answered. Daniel has a change of heart. So you have this guy that wants to kill his wife, but in his mind, he's still in love. So he takes a card and some flowers in a last-ditch effort to win her back. And he goes to see her, and he tries to make up with her. He went up to the door, rang the doorbell. She came to the door, basically said, I don't want anything to do with you. Go away. She's emasculated him. She's humiliated him. Daniel leaves heartbroken. He's done everything he possibly could to stop the divorce. It seems Daniel has no choice but to accept his fate. 
But an unexpected chain of events will turn his world completely upside down. As a mother, she can't believe what could have happened. Heather is missing. You have all the elements of a full-blown mystery. We're looking at a Nissan Sentra. Daniel DeWild's final attempt at saving his marriage has fallen short. He's just trying to charm her back into the fold. And she turns a deaf ear. And that is a tremendous, tremendous blow to his ego. But all his problems are about to be solved. Daniel calls Heather first thing in the morning. Daniel says, listen, I've got a check here, but it needs your signature. And also I've got these health care cards for the kids. So she agreed to come over and, and pick up the cards and sign the check. When Heather shows up, she brings unexpected company. She knew that he had a temper and he was controlling, but she thought that with the kids there, there wouldn't be any problems. Danny meets her out front, tells her that uh, he's got the stuff inside, but he had something he wanted to show her in the garage. Daniel knows Heather is still upset about the sex tape he'd made years ago. He lured her into the garage with saying, hey, I've got, I've got the sex tape. If you want it, come in the garage. Yes, Mommy. There she is. Look. Daniel goes in the house, talks to the kids, says, hey, come over to the window. They look out the window. They see the car pulling out. Wave bye to Mommy. Daniel says... Hey, kids, wave bye to mom. Danny takes the kids to a restaurant and eat, and, you know, he manages to save the time-stamped receipt from the restaurant that shows that's where he was at, at about 1.30 that afternoon. It's several hours after Heather has not shown back up at the house where she's living with her parents. Her mom is very distressed. Heather didn't have a cell phone, so they couldn't just try to call her. They had to call the very person they didn't want to talk to at all. She called over there to talk to Danny and find out where Heather was. Daniel offers up a possibility. He said she had come over and, and left pretty quickly to go shopping, and he hadn't heard her seen from her since. Well, that doesn't make any sense to a mother because Heather had just started this new job, so she didn't have very much money. Heather's mother knows something is very wrong. There was no way in the world she would leave her kids alone with him. Carol goes over to pick up her grandkids. She doesn't know where Heather is, but she at least wants the children safe with her. Heather's parents also call the police, who pay Daniel a visit later that evening. As a mother, she can't believe what could have happened. No parent wants to go through this. No parent wants to entertain the thoughts, even when they're confronting reality. And that's exactly what's happening here. Heather is missing. Her father said he knew that something bad had happened because she hadn't taken her money, she hadn't taken her credit cards, and this isn't something that she would do. He's cooperative. 
Daniel lets them in the house. They don't see signs of struggle. They don't see her. They don't see any indication that there's foul play. Daniel tells police the same story he told Heather's mother. His story was after Heather dropped the kids, she left to go shopping. And he took the kids, went to eat. Here's the time that I was there, and that was the last I saw her was when I left with the kids, and she left to go shopping. Daniel says, I've got a timestamp receipt. While they may be suspicious at that point, they also know that the odds are that Heather's going to show up. But when Heather fails to come home the next day, police officially open a missing persons investigation. Hits the news, a missing mom. Where's her car? Why did she leave the kids? Does the husband know anything? You have all the elements of a full-blown mystery. What really happened to Heather DeWilde? Only two people know for sure. If ever these brothers had a bond, being twins and all, they had one now for sure. But when confronted by detectives, one twin will break his silence. I went to him, I said, hey look, this isn't looking good for you. Leading the investigation in a whole new direction. We're, we're just trying to answer some questions. What do you think? You find the car, you find the girl. Heather DeWild hasn't been seen since she last paid a visit to her husband, Daniel. You have a mom who disappears. Worse yet, it was after seeing her husband that she's divorcing, and it's one week from the divorce being final. And Heather's family is growing concerned that Daniel has done something awful to her. As the days go by, it seems that Heather has simply vanished without a trace. Heather's mom knows something is wrong. She knows that her daughter would never leave her kids with her husband and go shopping. It's not her. Police circle back to Daniel for answers. He said, I'd like to help you, but I've got an attorney, and my attorney said I shouldn't talk to you guys. Why does someone need an attorney for a missing person? So it's clear to them there are a lot of questionable behaviors here. When you add up the fact that Daniel had motive, he had means, and he had opportunity, he becomes the prime suspect in her disappearance. With an attorney by Daniel's side and his lips sealed, detectives decide to pay twin brother David a surprise visit at work. They were so close, and if anybody was going to help Danny with this sort of thing, it probably would have been his twin. David appears to be cooperative. This is your twin brother. I know. I went to him. I said, hey, look, this isn't looking good for you. Do you have anything you're trying to hide or anything? And he said, no. I think if, if he did have something to do with her disappearance, he would have told me. We're, we're just trying to answer some questions, David. What do you think? The car's not in the garage. So, where's the car? There's a possibility it might have been carjacked. Heather's very little. If somebody's looking for a car to carjack, they might single her out. You find the car, you find the girl. 
But investigators aren't buying his story. Not one bit. So theory begins to form that, well, if something happened, maybe the brother's involved as well. It looks like the interview is going nowhere until David offhandedly mentions a problem with his own vehicle. Dave said he had trouble with the transmission and that he took it to a shop right outside of town. Detectives are immediately suspicious. Why would he send his truck somewhere else to be worked on? This guy's a mechanic. His brother's a mechanic. What the heck is that? And that kind of piqued the, the, the police interest, too. I mean, they were saying, well, maybe we ought to take another look here. David soon refuses to speak to police altogether. But detectives have their first solid lead that indicates there's more to the story than the DeWild twins are letting on. Police secure a search warrant for the twins' home and vehicles. They searched the house for quite some time. They had the mobile crime lab outside, and the detectives, investigators were going in and out of the house. So there were a lot of things removed from the house. There was the, the sex tape of him and Heather where he had her tied up. They go through the garage, and they don't find anything. But outside, a search of David's truck tells a much different story. When they search David's car, they're using a cadaver dog, specially trained to smell human remains. Once he got in there, it's, it's barking and scratching and just a big reaction that that means he's found that scent. At that point, they confronted David and said, you know, we got this hit, you want to talk to us? And, and he wouldn't. He doesn't crack because he's loyal to his brother. Though highly suspicious, the discovery isn't quite a nail in David's coffin. They don't have anything except a hunch and the suspicion that there was a body in the car. They need a body. David isn't arrested, but he certainly feels the heat. We're looking at the rear of a white four-door Nissan Sentra. Nearly two weeks after Heather's disappearance, police recover her car close to an apartment complex five miles from Daniel's home. Plate. And they think this is the break we need. The vehicle has been photographed externally by DPD crime lab. But the car is suspiciously spotless. There was absolutely no evidence whatsoever in that car that she had ever even been in it. You know, what's going on? Despite the discovery, investigators are no closer to bringing Heather home. Nearly six weeks after her disappearance, Heather's body is discovered. Now you think, okay, there are bound to be clues on this body. And now we're going to have a break in the case. But the discovery yields little evidence. When the autopsy report finally was released, they didn't have a cause of death because there was too much uh, decomposition. Still, the case officially changes from missing person to homicide. It was frustrating and disappointing because things are starting to come together, but there's still no 
evidence. We still can't put a case together that's good enough to charge these guys. Weeks turn to months with no new leads. I think people, most people thought that Daniel and his brother had to be involved somehow. But I had a sense that maybe they could get away with it. And just like, well, maybe they'll never know. The case goes cold. The police have nothing. The cops still think the twins did it, but they don't have anything that can specifically link them forensically. No longer feeling the heat, the DeWild twins appear to move on with their lives. If you ran into them and you didn't know any better, you would never think they were under any suspicion of a murder. They don't have anything to worry about because there's nothing there that can link them to Heather. They know that they're the only two who knows what happened and nothing's going to penetrate their silence. And with no further evidence, the case goes cold. In 2011, the DA's office decides to take another look. They go back over the mountain of files and evidence collected in Heather's case. Police seized videotapes from Daniel's home. And some of those tapes were fantasy tapes they had made together, Daniel and Heather. And while reviewing one video in particular, something odd jumps out at them. Police were able to see the knots in those fantasy tapes. And those knots matched the knots that were found on Heather when her body was discovered. People with a bondage fetish are very particular about their rope work. Their knots become almost like a signature. It's an interesting connection, and they soon find an even stronger link. Police discover a cell phone record where the same day, around the same time that Heather goes missing, David makes a phone call to his brother Daniel from the area where Heather's car was discovered. It's another piece to this strange puzzle. You know, the juries, especially nowadays, want the smoking gun, the murder weapon, a confession, uh, a video of the crime. And it would be real hard to, to get a circumstantial case conviction. And they realize the only way they're ever going to make this case break is to break that bond between the brothers. And that's exactly what's about to happen. Throws her down hard. He takes a mallet off the counter. Piece of shit. Fucking piece of shit. For years, Daniel and David DeWilde have stayed one step ahead of police. You had all of this activity in the beginning. And then over time... They didn't solve the crime. And people forgot about it. Police forgot about it. But this cold case has heated back up, and one of these twins is about to break. Police finally arrest Daniel and David DeWilde for Heather's murder. They weren't sure they could convict with just circumstantial evidence. So they needed something more. They needed one of the twins to turn on the other. It was our hope that with them in jail and separate from their support system that one of them might decide to actually talk to us. 
It's a bold tactic that could easily backfire. They are twins. They've always been together. And they say, I will stand for you no matter what. This was going to be very, very difficult. Some people may call it mission impossible. But they probably thought that was their only option. Prosecutors decide to go hard after David. They felt the weakest link was going to be David because they felt that it was Daniel who had done it. David is given a simple choice. Tell the truth about what happened and get 12 years. Or keep your mouth shut and face the possibility of life behind bars. He has to decide whether he's going to inform on the person closest to him in the world. For the first time in his life, he's being asked to be an individual and separate from his brother. All the gory details were about to be revealed. They didn't happen. Daniel called Heather. He needed her to co-sign a check. David was there when Heather showed up with the kids that day. He told me to go to the garage and wait. And he brings police back to where it all started. The door opens. Heather walks through. And she says, what did you want to show me out here? And my brother walks through, closes the door. Grabs her by like both shoulders. Throws her down hard. And she is just hit her like, like pro harbor. She didn't know. That was going to happen. And then she goes to get up like this, and she looks at me, and I look at her. He cannot help her because he's under the domination of Daniel. Takes a mallet off the counter, and this, she's trying to get back up. Blacks her. Drops. She's not breathing. She's not moving. She is. They had a rope and a pulley set up and with a noose on the end of it. Puts it around her neck. I guess cinches it up. Comes over and pulls on the rope. Left her hanging like that until she was dead. Puts her hands together and he... When it's finally over, Daniel binds and tapes Heather's body in order to mislead police. They were hoping if it was found, it would look like it was a sex crime gone, gone bad, or, or some kind of random murder from some serial killer. David ditches Heather's car, then uses his truck to transport her body for burial, while Daniel takes the kids to lunch. All the pieces fit. Now you understood the circumstantial evidence. Now you understood what happened that day. These twins were just pure evil. The murder is even more chilling because of the fact that the children are literally feet away. They're in the house. I just couldn't believe I was seeing. David has provided police with slam dunk testimony against his own twin brother and there's no love lost between these twins. Dan, you piece of shit. Okay. Fucking piece of shit. I'm assuming he'll watch this. 
David is going to testify against his brother in court. Now the only thing they can do is roll the dice, go to court, and see what happens. The twin brothers who have stood by each other's sides for their entire lives are now pitted against each other in court. David is the star witness at the trial against his brother. And he walks the prosecutor through the crime. He came up to me and he said he wanted to kill Heather. And I agreed to help him. And the jury listens rapturously. He hit her in the face with a mallet. No interruption. This was right out of a Hollywood movie. It had everything, sex, lies, and murder. He tied a rope around her neck and, and we hung her. I think Daniel was completely taken by surprise. It rocked his world because this is his alter personality. This is his other side. This is his twin who is burying him, kind of letting him take the fall alone. But Daniel's defense team soon turns the tables and accuses David of the murder. If you think about it, David had a lot going for him as a suspect. He had his car and they had remains in it. He had his cell phone tying him to where the car was left off. David was the one who has some violence in his history against women because you, you choked your wife and threatened to kill her. Yeah, it's true, but that was an isolated incident. Where's the implication to say that Daniel did it? There's none. There's none. Actually, it looks more like David did it. It's a persuasive argument, but is it enough to sway the jury? I didn't do it. It was Daniel who did it. Nobody knows what's going to happen. At that point, everybody is on tenterhooks. The jury finds Daniel DeWild guilty of conspiracy and accessory to murder, but they remain undecided on the heftiest charge, first-degree murder. Heather's family was devastated by the fact that they were not able to convict on first-degree murder. Almost immediately, the district attorney said, we're going to retry this case. Fortunately, they won't have to. One month later, Daniel accepts a deal to plead guilty to second-degree murder. On February 28, 2013, a judge sentences him to 74 years in prison. This case could not have gone on as long as it did were it not for the fact that David and Daniel are twins. For so long, these guys were so smug and had researched and outsmarted the cops and were going to get away with it, and they did for a long time. And it was just nice to see that come to an end. They almost got away with it. And in the end, the only way they were able to make a conviction was to get brother to turn on brother, twin to turn on twin. They are so close that for David to have to do that was almost like betraying himself.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.